0: Hey everybody! Welcome to our podcast. I'm John. Our first Uri- one, yeah, first one. Favaz and myself, and uh, we're we're doing this thing called the Casey Tapes. We're going to go back and uh, dig up some old interviews we've done over the years with various artists. Some of them rock artists. Most of them rock artists. Yeah, and some are uh, you know uh, athletes or uh, you know. Uh, you just uh, made me think of Evander Holyfield in Greece when I when I interviewed him. You did? Yeah. I didn't know you did that. Was yeah. this before the ear got bit off or after? It rampant? was after, and I <laughs> sat
1: behind him at a track and field event at the Olympics that, that evening, and I was on the side with his ear. I was with Tony Cruz, <laughs> and I was like, look at his ear. That's yeah. the ear. The- and then we had to race back and interview him at like 11. Anyway, it was just crazy. You just yeah. made me
0: think of that. Yeah, one of, the, one of the most famous ears in the history of humanity, <laughs> and you were sitting right next to it. Wow. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, you never know uh, who we'll be able to dig up from the past because we're going through a bunch of old tapes. Because and-
1: John's been here for 42 years, yeah. and I've been here for 27. So between
0: the two of us, we got some shit. 42 52 62 <laughs> that's 69 years how, how worth of that? interviews
1: that's wow that's impressive right. well, okay well tell our, everybody why
0: we're doing a podcast john cuz it's the thing to do in the business these because days because we have to yeah. <laughs> 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 well that and we've all realized here at the radio station that there is a gold mine of of past interviews and information that this station has locked up in in our vaults I, I and will, this is
1: a good way to free him up. Absolutely, and I will say that uh, you know we had a meeting a couple months ago, and we had a program director from our Cincinnati station on with us talking about podcasts, remember, and he was the one that said the interviews online in the, in the Hall of Fame and all that, and he didn't know you know what we have, you mm-hmm. know besides he was like, that's a gold mine for a podcast, and that's yeah. where the idea. Started between right. you and I were like, OK, let's just pull one out of the, you know, the Hall of Fame and do it. And then we're like, oh, my God, you, I've got all these and you've got all these. And it just kind of went from there. So yeah. I don't remember his name. Do you remember I don't. that guy's name? I don't. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, he's a program director in Cincinnati at a Hubbard Station high. Yeah.
0: Yeah, nice man. It's,
1: it's your fault. So.
0: Yeah, and, and actually, the, some of this started, you know, back for our 50th anniversary when I was going through basement tapes and finding things I did not realize that I had. Right. And I was like, well, I don't know what I'll do with these. I don't know if anybody's going to have any interest in these or whatever. But then all of a sudden, you know, this fellow comes up with this podcast idea and we're like, well. I think it's a great I, idea. I know where there are a bunch of tapes.
1: And, and, and they're in various forms. You know, as John said, he has some on reel-to-reel, which is the old style tape where it's on one side and you play mm-hmm. it through and it goes to the other side i have some on reel to reel uh mini disc so we've had to have the engineers <laughs> <laughs> disc player yeah. in here uh also a dat digital yeah. audio tape right. we don't we we have to have a machine in here for that and then we then i have a bunch just on the computer yeah and some um, are on
0: cd discs
1: yeah some are some, on like the evander uh, holyfield yeah. i believe well, I, I think I have that on CD, but maybe on mini disks. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're on various. Yeah. It kind of just shows the technology that we have to work with, how it has changed over the years.
0: Yeah. You know? And the challenge for me right now on this reel-to-reel machine, which I got from the radio station, which was sitting in the studios. You of stole the, it. Well, I didn't steal did it. They I give I, it to I, you? They, they did give it to me. Wow. Uh, and and I, so I set it up in my basement, and I'm listening to these tapes, and I'm not kidding. Every Every two or three minutes of listening, mm-hmm. i got to stop the machine and clean the heads off with, with uh, alcohol. You're kidding. Because, no, because the tapes are so oh, oxidized. wow. They're yeah. filthy, and they're making the heads Do filthy. they break? Because I'm worried no, that some no. of mine might, like the tape might just split. No, and there are a lot of edits, and some of them were, you know, when you edited that old tape, you did it with right. uh, splicing tape, it was called. <laughs> but they're holding up real good. When I'm fast forwarding and, and rewinding and everything, some I would thought I would have thought those that that, that uh, sticky that sticking tape, that's a splicing tape, would would be brittle by now, right? But, but it's not. But the but the tapes itself are filthy. So every so often I got to clean it off, and it's very frustrating. That's so, funny. Yeah, I, I hope the machine here is good. Because oh, it's going to have, have the to same problems. Them. It's going to have the same problem. Mm, yeah. So, so anyway, this, the one we're going to do today, the interview we're doing today, was not recorded back in the times of uh, reel-to-reel machines. You did this one in 2002, right, with I, Sammy Hagar. Actually, I believe it was 2006, oh, I yeah. think. Um yeah, it's.
1: I mean we've both interviewed Sammy a million times. The reason we're doing this particular one, this was the interview that I inducted him into the KCHI Hall of Fame mm-hmm. on our online museum at kc 95com And uh we thought we'd pick this one out because, you know, we want you to go to the museum and check out all the interviews, but the Hall of Fame is is really cool. It's very it's unique. Yeah. Uh, as far as I know, no other radio station has a Hall of Fame. Yeah. And um, while Sammy wasn't the first to be inducted, he was one of the first, and I think you'll hear here, he, he might have been one of the first three yeah. that were inducted. And, yeah, so I did the interview at the pageant.
0: Well, I, give, uh, I was given a fava some trouble, too, because back in the late 70s when Sammy first started coming to St. Louis and in through the early 80s mm-hmm. when he came to town, I generally was the one that would interview him. Right, and I ended up be, having a decent rapport with him, and I got some great photos of me uh, in the old Casey Studios in Crestwood with Sammy when he came. One of them is us both looking. I mean, we were both in our in our twenties probably, and and we both got this big old smile on our face in this in this photo, which by the way was I an think inst- I remember. Mean, it was taken really? with an Instamatic, yeah, <laughs> and we got these big full mustaches, man, just <laughs> uh, just jumping out of the out of the, out of the picture for practically and um so i kid I, kid Favaz, I said uh, you stole him from me. because <laughs> well, let me after tell you a while he started always gravitating towards you
1: i don 't know what happened well there, no but... he he started uh I think the first time I interviewed him was somewhere around ninety eight and he started to do uh interviews in the afternoon, so when he started to do those. I do afternoon drive, so I yeah. was the guy that happened to be there. And then he and I developed a rapport and mm-hmm. did all those broadcasts down in Cabo for his birthday and, and um, you know... We I just, mean, you
0: really got up close and personal with I the did. guy over. you. You, He considers you one of his good friends, I think.
1: I think he does, but people still... Um, they, they think that I, like, when I go to Cabo, I hang out at his house and stuff like that. It, that does not happen. Yeah. I mean, there is a line between, you know, friendship and a Kate and, and a DJ rock star relationship. Yeah. And I certainly don't cross it because mm-hmm. out of respect. Now, if Sammy wanted to have me at his house, I'd be happy to go right. and drink a tequila and stuff like that. And could I, you know, do, could I reach out to him? You know, I, I could, I do have his phone number and yeah. stuff like that, but I would never dream right, to right. do that. He'll, he'll reach out to me and say, Hey, uh, I'm promoting some, you know, yeah. like, cause Sammy's a, oh yeah, you know, Sammy knows how to sell an entrepreneur. He knows how to sell things, but you know, it's, it's not that kind of relationship like we're buds and you know. We go to dinner, although we have been to dinner here yeah. in town, but he doesn't, like, when he's in town, he's like, hey, we got to go to dinner. It doesn't happen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. Oh, had me fooled, too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I mean, you have been in the dressing room at uh, Private Times. I have. You? Yeah. I have. Did you have a story about that? Um, did you tell a story about that on the uh, stage at, uh, at, uh, uh from, the at the yeah, oh, from, from the window? The amphitheater? Oh, from the window? No, I did
1: not tell any Sammy oh. stories like that. I, uh, Told huh. David Lee Roth. Story.
0: Oh, that's right. It was David
1: Lee Roth. You mean I when I smoked van- a joint with David Lee Roth, John? <laughs> yeah, yeah, is that yeah, what you're trying to get? Yeah. I get my van. Halen I do series. have an interview with him that yeah. we'll do sometime on the show. Okay. Um, but no, Sammy. Uh, the, the only thing, that, if, if you're going down that road, the only thing that I've ever done with Sammy is shoot tequila with him. Yeah. And that was the first time uh, I was in his uh, office, if you will, down in Cabo in 2002. And I remember I walked in to do an interview, and he and he goes, "Favaz." You're so dark, you look like a Mexican. <laughs> and I was so strung out because it was like on the last night of, you know, I, you know, it was just an idiot down there. I drank every day yeah, like yeah. a fool. And yeah. um, I did. I, I was sunburned and I sat there and we, we sipped tequila and yeah. we had a, one, one of the many interviews. So, but and, and I never the can- smoked a joint with them.
0: No, the, can- the cantina <laughs> looks like a penis. Doesn't it? I mean, yes, the, a, uh, the light tower does. Yes, yes.
1: If you go down there, it does. Um, and, and we should say Sammy's birthday is Saturday and he's going to be 71 years old and he's doing shows there this week yeah. and he doesn't do as many as he as he used to do. And the cantina um, is small. It only holds, I think, 500 people. Mm hmm. And that's why those tickets were always in so de- you know in such demand, you know to go to one of those shows because it was you're going to be only one of five hundred people there, and yeah. so canteen is cool. But yes, the lighthouse looks like a giant dick. Yeah, and there's no there's there's no <laughs> you other think way that around was on it. On purpose? I don't know if he did it. I I don't think so because you know you're you're practically on the ocean. Uh, yeah, you're on the Sea of Cortez right there. You know there are lighthouses everywhere. Yeah, and maybe they all look like dicks i don't know
0: this <laughs> <Well>, <laughs> has a ring around the top uh, to add to the uh the color is
1: the- uh let's see it, the, the color is not a a flesh tone no, should we say i don't think it is it's a lighter color though all right so um here's the interview with sammy and this was uh done at the pageant after a show where he wasn't feeling so great um he is mic'd so you'll be able to hear him really well. You'll be able for me though. You're going to have to probably listen a little harder or turn up your whatever whatever you're listening to this podcast on because I'm not mic'd. You can hear me, uh, but you know I'm I'm lower. So yeah. you know we uh, the interview's about eight minutes long, and and John and I will come out on the backside and and we'll we'll wrap things up and talk about what we heard too. So hit it.
2: Can I be? Actually, I'd rather sit in a regular chair because this here I'm going to sit back too far. Okay. So, uh. So. Now, everyone realizes you're going to have to shut up. John, you realize you're going to have to shut up. I'll go in the other room because I'm not going to do this again.
1: I'll hey, we'll tell you what it's about It's kind of like 60 minute style I'm going to be off to the side Yeah, And we're creating a, a real rock museum Let me go ahead and button this <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, We're creating a, a real rock museum online People go and it'll be different wings In yeah. the museum and stuff One of the wings is going to be an artist wing Where people will click on their favorite artists, Talking about their favorite St. Louis memory Their Keishi memories the artists. So I'll lead you with shit And then You can
0: look at me here. You can look at the
2: camera or whatever. Don't go too close. (laughs) Don't go too far. Let's try this. We're rolling. Okay. All right, Sammy Hagar. When I say St. Louis, what's the first thing that
1: comes to your mind?
2: (laughs) It's almost painful. (laughs) It's almost painful. It's like trying to, in my heart, you know, because I care so much about the fans uh trying to live up to a show after a show after a show after a show is is actually it's so stressful uh i just i love the city so much every time i play i want to do the greatest performance i've ever done in my life and maybe once or twice out of the 35 times i played here whatever it is you know better than me that's for faz how many times i played here um I probably walked away going, all right, you know, most of the time I go, oh, I wish I did this, wish I would have done that, you know. And tonight, other than being able to, uh, other than not being able to sing because I was sick, uh, it was one of the greatest nights I've ever had here. That audience was, 1,500 people sounded louder than uh, sold out Bush Stadium to me.
0: So right there, you ask him about, uh, you know, his memories of playing in St. Louis, and he talks about how stressful it is to play here. Were you ever around him right before he went on stage for one of his big shows here? Because it sounds to me like he gets all, you know, nervous. He, you
1: know... uh, I, the last t- the only time I can really remember him being nervous and uptight, and it was obvious to me, was just uh, a year ago at the Casey 50th anniversary show because it was a big show for him, and he was kind of uptight, and even his manager had told me, um, and he, the reason he was so nervous you know for that show he really wanted it to come off well yeah he knew it was the K.C. anniversary he knew he was the headliner collective soul was playing ZZ top played that night um you know it was um it was a big deal to him and i can't really say before you know uh, all the other times i was with him and i was with him right like as he was walking on the stage to cabo and 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 then to play like that nothing you know ever you know Mm. struck me as wow he's He's nervous. But that
0: one did. Yeah, because he's been here so many times. You wonder how he has to wonder himself, how do I keep topping what I've done before? Because he's put on some great shows in the past. That adds to the stress factor. Absolutely.
1: And like you said, he played like 35 times or whatever. It's the truth. You know, if you count all the Van Halen shows, I mean, he's got a lot to live up to. And it's easy to see why he would Mm -hmm. want to better the next show than the one that he just did let's get back to the interview do you remember the first time you ever set foot in this town was that not really. Or, uh, like not really not
2: really uh, i'm sure it was montrose i remember going to casey and getting the pig shirt in montrose and we all we all came on on stage that night with, all wearing a pig shirt with the headphones i remember that much of it but i don't remember the show and i don't remember that i remember playing here before um as an opening act for Ted Nugent, Boston. I can't remember who else, I think I played here one time with Angel at like a dollar concert or something like that at, at uh, like uh, one of the smaller 10,000 seat arenas, you know. But it seems like in St. Louis I never uh, played the, the small places I was always an arena act, either as an opening act or whatever. But to me, if I just think of, okay, how did it happen in St. Louis, you know, when did it happen? I opened for Boston. No, no, excuse me. I opened for Ted Nugent, and it was a big deal. I came back with Boston like two weeks later. Yeah, at, at the Checker Dome, and I got three encores. And Tom Scholz was standing on the side of the stage. Tom's a great guy, but he don't like the opening act doing too good, you know. You know, and I always did really good, but you know, he, and, and he kept going. I'm walking off the side of the stage, just like. He's going, go do another one. Go, did three encores. And I think that was the last time I was an opening act in St. Louis. Because
1: then in November, you played with Pat Travers and the Scorpions, and that was the show at the Checkered that was broadcast all over the
2: nation. That's right. That was the, the MTV thing where, yeah, Pat Travers and uh, and the Scorpions. This was and before
1: they, MTV. This was still 79.
2: No, okay, when did we? The, you did the
1: MTV thing around 80 Oh, or 80 okay, that
2: was before. before that. That Here was lock Box, I think. <laughs> Listen up. I own a tequila company, folks. <laughs> I do drink. Uh, yeah, but then we did the MTV concert here at the Checker Dome, and I was already happening. That was '83. That was Three Lock Box, and had a great production, and, and they filmed it on MTV. And that, when I watched that thing, I'm going, "What is wrong with that guy?" I'm looking at myself, going, "Why does he just keep moving and running and jumping and do? It? You know, slow down, pal." <laughs>
1: So, um, you know, Sammy was just talking about opening for Ted Nugent. I was at that show, and I remember the date. I'm so weird. I'm sorry. That's all right. (laughs) It was December 6, 1978. (laughs) (laughs) And it was my first arena rock show, and it was my first really introduction to Sammy Hagar, Mm -hmm. and I remember he owned the crowd. He owned the crowd that night, and so much so, fast forward to whatever year, living um, Living It Up, the DVD that came out in the 2000s, he had me do the liner notes um, uh, for the DVD. And I used, I, 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 when I wrote them, I wrote about that show. It was, it was amazing that night that he, uh, he opened for Ted and he had the crowd in the palm of his hand. Now, the thing where he was wrong, he didn't come back two weeks later and open for Boston. That show was in December. I believe March is when Boston came back or Boston was there. And Boston was doing, uh, it might have been, uh, what was the second record that came out? Don't Look Back. Don't look back yeah. and, and Sammy opened that show. And I'll never forget Sammy coming back for an encore when the lights were on. Uh-huh. It was yeah. unreal. Yeah. And you could really tell right there that yeah. this guy was something special and people loved him in
0: St. Louis. Yeah. Oh, great memories there. Um, and
1: then I talked about the show where he opened for, or where Pat Travers and the Scorpions opened for him, and it was broadcast. That was broadcast on Casey. I think Ted Habeck might have been the jock that kind of engineered things back, but that was not an MTV show. It was broadcast uh, over, I don't know how many radio stations, and it was Sammy's first time headlining in St. Louis at the old Checkerdome Arena or whatever. And I remember it was like November of uh, 1979. I also. Uh I wanted to, wanted to ask you about nowadays with artists and radio stations the bond isn't there
2: anymore. Tell us what Casey meant to you in the early. Oh days. no no no! There, there's still a bond here with Casey and there was in the early days. Um, it's funny because with Montrose we were like we had no love. <laughs> that first Montrose record it took uh, you know ten years to sell three million records, but it did. But Casey played Space Station Number no. Five. It was a hit in this town. I remember. You know, probably played other things, but in this town I remember our manager going hey you got like a hit in St. Louis with you know, Space Station and we're going what it's not a single or anything uh, that bond is really really important in the town and we can prove that with what's happened for me and for other bands in this town I remember back when I first broke this town Bob Seeger was my competition in this town we were the two you know uh, big guys around here and uh, it was all because of Casey honestly it really was and Dick Richmond from the Post Dispatch, Wayne Misenholder from uh worked for Capital, all the people that believed in it, and they did. Everyone did their job, but truthfully, the radio was really a big deal. And you guys had another station back then, Katie or something, or it was a K-A-D-I. Yeah, and uh, they also played my singles like on top forty level or something that really I think it all helped. It, it's been proven. Uh, otherwise, why am I still, you know, an arena act here? you know, without a hit single for a hundred years, you guys wouldn't even, even if I made a new song, you know, they wouldn't play my new song. They play like, you know, you love driving me crazy and stuff, you know? <laughs> so why would that be, you know, other than the fact that, you know, you pound uh, the artist. It's great.
0: I'll tell you what, I was impressed with the fact that he not only remembered Kashi radio, but he remembered our competition back in the late seventies. I D I. I can't I, believe you remember
1: that. Couldn't re- yeah, that, that was weird. And, uh, you know, uh, the, it, it's a real thing, the bomb yeah. in Casey. that that is why he is so successful here. People don't believe that you know all these years that he plays out at the amphitheater, you know twenty thousand people, and he'll go to Chicago
0: or Kansas City and play for five yeah. It's just know. it's the tr- it's know. the way that it is. Well, his song "Red" is a song that the Cardinals take the field on at Bush <laughs> Stadium before, up until I think towards the very end of the year. Right, it, that's the one that, that we we would play as as the as the team came out. I mean, and, and I remember him coming down there and throwing out first pitch uh, a couple times. I was there and, that night. Were, were you there? There?
1: last time? Because Montrose, that was when he was here with Montrose Bill Church. And Denny Carmasi and and Ronnie was still alive then. I don't think Ronnie was there, but the one time he threw out the first pitch, we were all there and yeah. we were with you. You were doing your thing and everything.
0: It I was think amazing. he's done it twice. Am I wrong about that? I think you're right. Yeah, I think it was twice. I think you're right. But uh, you know, you're not going to find a a nicer, friendlier man in any business, especially somebody who's accomplished what he has uh, accomplished and and still willing to to you know be. Um, He's very accommodating. Appreciative.
1: Yes, he's appreciative. He's accommodating. You know, like in that interview there, I forgot that I was supposed to go on stage, as I'm listening back to this thing after all these years, that I was supposed to, you know, induct him into the Casey Hall of Fame while he was still on stage at the pageant. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I guess I was supposed to, you know, but instead we did it right there. And you could tell that, yeah, he was like, I deserve this one for yeah. sure. Yeah. You know, and he was, he's totally right. Yeah. So.
0: Well, and I say that he's a very nice man because that's that's what we see from him all the time. But you stop and you think about it over his career too; he's had to have his run-ins with people. I mean, he, he oh. when 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 he left Montrose, he and Ronnie Montrose weren't friends, right. of course. The Van Halen situation, right? And uh, I think even one of his business. Uh, uh ventures he he's parted ways with the with a partner so sammy wants it his way too and, absolutely and you know what he's very smart and he's been successful so uh his way must be the right way so you kind of like back off and let him have his space and let him do what he wants because he's proven he's, he's a winner yeah he
1: knows what he's doing and in in the interview he says he owns a tequila company well he does not own that tequila company no. more he sold it for about 85 million dollars yeah so once again it just shows that you know he's he's a You know, he was making bikes and I think T-shirts back in the in the sixties or seventies. I mean, he's an entrepreneur. He knows what's going on. I I did want to clear up one thing so people are are listening now to the Sammy. You know, for years I know that you know. Sammy said, "I want to play a free show under the arch." You know, free show. I want to do a free show. Free show. Yeah. People don't realize he still gets paid. Okay, it's the people you know that come to the show. You you don't have to pay anything. Yeah, but he still gets paid. Security gets paid. Lighting gets paid. Insurance has to get paid. Where does all this kind of this money come from? You know, it's got to come from somewhere. That's why Sammy never really did a free show up until Fair St. Louis a couple of years ago at Forest Park, yeah. which was really really cool, and mm-hmm. that was like the first free show. That he ever did. But that's why it never happened under the arch before. It wasn't our fault. Right. You know, it was just one of those things. It would have been really cool, but yeah. that was the way it was. So.
0: Well, I know there was the bike company that was that he bought and turned that into a successful venture. Mm-hmm. The tequila company. And another little known story is he went into business with his brother-in-law that and they somehow came up with a, a device for sprinkler systems. That somehow, yeah, I don't remember gonna, that, yeah, and supposedly he and his brother, he, he and his brother-in-law sold that company for millions of dollars too. I mean, everything the guy practically touched read turned his to book gold, except p- except some of his restaurants. Uh, some of his restaurants did close and not do well.
1: Yes, and if you read his book that came out, you know, five yeah. or six years ago, whatever I think it was probably longer than that, he talks about how you know back in the day they were dirt poor, you mm-hmm. know, him and his family, and that's where he got that entrepreneurial. Spirit, You know, he started thinking of what could I, what could I do this and this and, you know, to this day, he still, you know, he owns a rum company. You know, now, now he's moved on from tequila. He did. He made his money off of that. Now he's, you know, Sammy Hagar's beach bar
0: rum. And you know. when he had his Sammy Hagar Beach Bar here in St. Louis, all the profits for that went to charity, right? Sure did. He does a lot of stuff for charity. Sammy's too.
1: always given back, yeah. uh, you know. And I was with him at a school in North St. Louis uh, for uh, that, that program, the the backpack, yeah, something just, for backpack yeah, that he yeah. did, and and it, it it was really emotional when all the kids, and and I'm I'm pretty sure these kids didn't really realize who sammy hagar was i mean they knew he was a rock star and he was giving him money or whatever when they met him that day and they all just you know got around him and started hugging him and everything i I almost cried it it was and he he told me he did too it was just you know he he really likes to give back yeah one of the wings of the museum is a hall of fame wing and uh we inducted two of your pals already we're only doing like i believe four this year Ted Nugent went in in April because he came into
0: town. REO Speedwagon was right before
2: that. Well, I was going to do it live on stage tonight, right at the end of your gig, but I know your, your voice is, is a little rough right I now. I forgot. But they, they asked me, Favaz, let me interrupt. They asked me, my manager goes, hey, at the end of the show, like, don't leave right away. You know, you know, Favaz wants to come out and, like, you know, talk to you. He goes, it's supposed to be a surprise. I forgot. Well, here it
1: is. We are inducting you into the KC World Rock. Hall of Fame oh, on shit. our website. What do you, you're you already, you're in the Rock and Roll <laughs> Hall of Fame,
2: you're going into two Hall of Fames now in one year. What's what's it mean? Case well, the quite honestly, this is a lot easier than the last one. <laughs> <laughs> My speech is, of course, <laughs> you know, the, the, the last Hall of Fame thing was really difficult because of the situation where the whole band wasn't there, but uh, this is... Yeah, it makes sense to me. I, you know, I'm not as humbled about this one. <laughs> but I'm, I, I'm, you know, I thank you very much, and I, I'm definitely honored and all that. But I'm not as humbled <laughs> because, I mean, come on, this town with me and uh, and St. Louis is the greatest thing. You know, it, it's like rock and roll history. You know.
1: Really Want to add anything? No. <laughs>
2: Sammy. Sammy. <coughs> got Would do a couple quick stills, Sammy? Yeah. But are you shitting me?
1: Well, there you have uh, Sammy's interview uh, You know that I did. And uh, this was the Hall of Fame induction interview. Um, it was our first podcast, John. What do you think?
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's over. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. We're going to try to do this damn thing on a weekly basis. yeah. And we're going to try to release them on Fridays. And next week, we're going to do my interview with Paul McCartney. Wow. From 2002, which was, it was funny. It ties in with Sammy. It was done on the night before I flew out for the first time in Cabo. Uh-huh. And actually, it was the first time I'd ever left the country, I think. So I interviewed Paul McCartney. Five o'clock that morning, I was on a trip, you know, to 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 Cabo. And uh, that's a really good one, too, yeah. that I think we'll enjoy.
0: And I have a side story to add to that, too. So <laughs> that's next week. All right. Thank you, you, man. Thank you, Favaz. It's the Casey Tapes.